Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another edition of On The Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. In this week of European finals edition of OTC, the first ever Europa Conference League title is a special one for Roma. After clinching the Scudetto last weekend, are the good times rolling once again at Casa Milan? And the joy and the pain of the last day of the season in Ligue 1. So Andy, with respect to uh, special ones, let's talk about a special one on the pitch who made all the headlines this week when he decided finally to reveal that he's staying at PSG. Kylian Mbappe, um, what's been the response to that? And, and will it mean that Maurizio Pochettino has a way of staying at PSG? Well, it, it's been suggested that that's the case, Don, because Mbappe likes him. And now, obviously, part of the pull for Mbappe to stay, obviously the money's nice, but... The, the 100 million that, as a sign-on fee. Yeah. 20 million a year after that. Oh, much more than that after that. Okay. And tax-free as well. Oh, 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 try, oh. try double and, and, and tax-free. So um, there's, there's no doubt there's, there's huge advantages to it. But what's really made him stay is the prospect of being given, given some sort of influence in the direction of the club. Although he claims not. He said that his influence will be on the pitch and not in management. Yeah, I didn't believe him. I've got to tell you. And we've seen that already with 
Leonardo uh, going as, as a sporting director. Mbappe um, didn't like him. Uh, no, they they didn't get on at all. He made a mess of negotiating the contract for that reason. So it had to go all the way upstairs to the ultimate owners of, of, of the club. And that enabled Mbappe to have his say on where he imagines the club going forward. Now, I, I think that's, that's quite interesting. And I, I think the other interesting thing to it is the way that the rest of French football has reacted. Because rather than thinking they're an ogre, they have limitless deep pockets, no one's ever going to win the league ever, ever again. The thing has been a bit like, he's taken his lead a bit from Nasser Al-Khalifi, who says, oh, this this proves that Ligue 1 is more important than La Liga, which I don't think anyone actually believes. And he's the president, isn't he? He's That's the president, yeah. president of Paris Saint-Germain, yeah. And um, the reaction has been unanimously positive. You know, there's this sense, not of how does it affect competitive balance, there's been a sense of it makes Ligue 1 visible. And there's a sense of relief around the league and a sense of surprise around the league that that he's staying as, as as well, and you know, pretty much to a man like other coaches, players, presidents think because of the the marketing that it gives Ligue 1, it's a positive thing. Uh, David, it's a positive thing, maybe, uh, but not least for Paris Saint Germain. But there will be repercussions elsewhere, not least in Real Madrid. I would have thought. Yeah, of course. There's fury. Um, I think they're shocked. I think they feel like they were led down the garden path a little bit by Mbappe, by this whole saga. They thought he was theirs. Um, and I think, the, I guess the main thing out of all this is Javier Tebas, who's the head of Spanish football, um, who says that he wants to take this case, um, you know, his, his anger about this to the, to the EU and to UEFA because of the way the PSG have done this deal, the money that is involved um, in regards to financial fair play. So there's real fury from him. But I think it's also a big, big admission on his part that he's worried about La Liga and where that's going in the next few years in terms of um, superstars coming to the league, in terms of the health of Barcelona and Real Madrid, their finances and you know the, their ability to thrust a face up who can market their league, exactly what we were just discussing about with, the, with uh, Ligue 1. Um, so he's been concerned for quite some time about this. He's reported PSG before. He's reported Man City as well because he's worried about their money. He's worried about the Premier League's money. He's worried about everybody's money, basically, um, and that other people may have more than Barcelona and Real Madrid these days. Um, so that's been, I think, the main thing to take away from this in Spain. Although, if you were the other special one, you'd be saying, and forgive my accent, why are you talking about killing Mbappe? Do you not know I have won the... It's terrible, isn't it? Let me do it one <laughs> It is so bad, I apologise. Do you not know that I've won the European Conference League? First ever winner. And now I've won all the major UEFA European titles. You see, I thought you were going to give us a, a, a little uh, nugget of speculation. <laughs> you like moved him to France. Uh, I mean... It was a Nigerian who happened to stop in Rome airport for a night. I, 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 I see. <laughs> I, I mean, of course, there's so much focus on the job that Mourinho has, has, has done, that the season has ended with a trophy. And that was Roma's first UEFA trophy. First ever European UEFA trophy, trophy yeah. yeah. Um, they, they got to a European Cup final in the, in the 80s against uh, Liverpool, of course, and semi-finalist in the Champions League relatively recently. But 
we, we talked about this on the Ramble, that given the size of club that Roma are, and that they're a huge club, they've won relatively little. Mm. So it means so much to those fans. And you could tell by the way they were filling up the stadium in the back end of the tournament. You know, they could have filled the Olympico four times um, against Leicester in the semi-final. They were sold out against Bodo Glimt uh, Olympico in the, in, in the quarterfinal. And, you know, there is this mutual love between Mourinho and, and, and the Roma fans. That might be quite hard for a lot of English-based fans to, to absorb because, you know, the sense was Mourinho was a busted flush. He'd been found out a bit tactically and he's passed his best. Now, of course, he's at a club where he's not expected to go and win the league although eventually they'll they'll want to push back into the Champions League. That's important for them from a prestige and from a financial perspective. But it's, it's a really good first season for him because he's brought hope back to Roma. A lot of the things that have gone wrong are not really his fault. They um, predate um, previous financial mismanagement, um, heavy losses, the loss of experienced players. And, you know, I, I think we go back over the past couple of years and you know you immediately think of like you know going back five years they, they, they had Alisson they had Salah they had Totti and De Rossi who have obviously retired to absolutely huge figures in in the club's history and then you think of Nainggolan, Strokeman, guys who were massive in the dressing room though you know time has proved that they were right to get rid of them on a on, on a sporting level so Roma are rebuilding and Roma are rebuilding with quite a young side. So even though they had their hairy moments in the final, that they stuck to Mourinho's plan and saw it out in a very, very Jose Mourinho way. I mean, that was the ultimate Mourinho wins in a final yeah. final. What wasn't it, David? No, it does absolutely. show that everyone at the club is on the same page. Yeah, it is. they were just, they were just dogged, organized. Um, I think Mourinho knew that Feyenoord were a, were a good side but they weren't a side a, a great side and a, you know a side that could penetrate them um, well they played a weaker league don't they to be real precisely yeah. and I, I think it was I think he was proved right I think Feyenoord were probably the better side in terms of the way that they played how open they played but in terms of final ball and product they simply weren't there um, they weren't able to you know do a little bit of something different to break down Roma's organisation um, and and that's what Mourinho's good at organisation, um, meticulous planning. I think before games and and it, and it worked a treat. Um, it wasn't pretty, of course it wasn't. It was never going to be though. Like let's not kid ourselves here. Um, and he bagged a trophy, and it was really really important. I think for the club and for the city as well. And and now they can continue uh, their rebuild. And that's a nice market to have down. What, what about what Andy was saying about the, the young side? It's not mm. something that you think about when you see, when you think of Italian football, you know, you think mm. of the, you know, you don't win anything with kids syndrome because mm. you've got your veterans there and all that. And also a much more defensive game, whereas we're seeing more and more, not just with Roma, AC Milan as well, who won the Scudetto, of course, um, a young side, once again, a very attacking side. I think it's so. very, are we seeing a transformation maybe in Italian football? Now? I think so. Syria has seen that they've had to remodel themselves. I think they've looked at Bundesliga, they've looked at the Portuguese league as well, Ligue 1, who a lot of teams operate with young sides. They buy young uh, players that they can develop with and they've had to remodel as a league. Perhaps Juve are still an outlier in terms of the players that they target and how they operate. Um, but I think a lot of 
Italian clubs have realised, look, we haven't got the spending power um, of Juve, so we have to build in a different way. So I think Juve has kind of brought this in to Syria as well, um, as well as generally the the financial climate that we're in with, with football. Um, and I think you'll see more Italian clubs operating this way, being sensible in the market. They've always had like, you know, if you look at the sporting directors over the years in Italy, teams like Fiorentina, Udinese, um, they've always picked up some, some brilliant signs, Lazio or another one as well. So I think... You know, we'll see more over the next three to five years of of Syria operating like that, and and it'll still be a really, really good league. And they won't care that people say, "Oh, La Liga is better, Premier League's better." Um, that's where all the superstars are going. They won't really care because they'll be a very, very good developmental league. And if Raf, somebody like Rafael Leao comes to Milan when he's young he stays there two three years develops and then okay then he goes to Real Madrid for 100 million 120 million I think they'll be happy with that I think to to take it back to Roma it's an interesting kind of mix of where they're at because the club's been through a difficult time as we say in the last couple of years since they made the the, the Champions League they've lost a lot of experience high earners um, Edin Dzeko was another who of course went to Inter uh, last summer but you you have a lot of young players and good young players who've, who've had to fight to get to this point. And of course, I, I guess people will look at Tammy Abraham and the, the frustration he endured at Chelsea. Of course, he's had a fantastic season. Now, this wasn't his final in terms of like he didn't score the goal or anything like that. But the amount of work he put in, he absolutely ran himself into the yeah. ground. He should arguably have had a player sent off. Oh, he should have done that. Yeah, yeah, There's definitely. no arguable about it. I don't to the think. ground almost. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the, the physical effort was fantastic. But then you look at Rick Karsdorp, who of course came from Feyenoord, um, the, the, the right wing back, um, who has had terrible luck with injuries and has been regenerated and become important again under Mourinho. This will be a huge moment for him. You look at Nicolo Zaniolo, you know, still 22 and yet has now scored the winning goal in a it's European a final. Goal, it was a decent it, goal. It was, it was really, really well taken. Yeah. You and could I, be forgiven think, for thinking it was scrappy, but actually what he had to do to get the ball uh, past the keeper in, was brilliant. Instant decision. Yeah. And, and it, there was only one way he could possibly get it right. And it, he, he did that. Of course, he scored the hat-trick against Bodo Glimt in the, um, in the quarters as, as, as well. And for him... Like he's been through so much, uh, uh, not even 23 yet, yeah. been booted out by Inter, called up by Italy before he'd played a Serie A game, done his cruciate in both knees, mm. and he's come back. And you look at him and um, the excellent um, Italian football commentator, Patrick Hendrick, was saying he's got limitless potential. I I agree with that. I I still wonder if it will ever be fulfilled. Because I just think, we've talked about it before with Nicky, the way his body shape has changed. Because he's been in the gym so much yeah. since then. I, I don't think he's the player who can glide past other players anymore. Yeah, yeah, which which made him, was part of what made him so special. So maybe he becomes something completely different. I think the jury's still out a little bit with him. And, you know, they've, they've, got, they've, they've got a few decisions to make because... They need to decide whether they're going to sign him to a new contract. Honestly, I would be tempted to to sell him rather than paying a, pay him a fortune because mm. you don't ever know whether he's going to get to that level. In an ideal world, he's got a longer contract than he currently does. And you give him time, you're patient with him, you work with it. If they have to decide whether to re-sign him or not now, I, I would... 
I would sell. Lorenzo Pellegrini is different. Roman, the captain, absolute leader. They need to get him into a new deal as, as soon as possible. He's fantastic for them. And But with Zaniolo, whatever the future holds, whether he fulfills that potential, whether he doesn't, whether he stays, whether he doesn't, he has worked so bloody hard for a moment yeah. like this. And for someone who's been a talent for such a long time and has had to endure so much and there's been all sorts of stuff off the pitch that he's maybe not been mature enough to deal with as well that's been quite difficult for him. He's been dragged through the tabloids. Just for him to have a moment like this. And I think it's kind of the the Conference League in microcosm, really. You know, maybe it's not where Roma dreamed of being if you go back a couple of years. But it is a great moment. It is a trophy. It's something they can enjoy together as a group of players, as a set of fans, and as a club. And I think that's great. There was um there was a great moment, I think, just just going back to Tammy. There was a great moment towards the end of the game. It's about five, ten minutes left. So Roma were obviously wasting a little bit of time just trying to kill the game off. <laughs> you could say. <laughs> yeah. I think you I think you might know what I'm gonna say here. And uh Tammy Abraham, he's he just got slightly nudged. And he went down all so easily. <laughs> He'd learned and his he, lesson by then, hadn't he? And he and he got up, and you know he really made most of it. And he got up, and he sent a little wink towards the bench, <laughs> just where Mourinho was. It's like saying, "I'm Mourinho's uh, yeah, guy." Yeah, yeah, now, that, isn't it? And then at that moment, I thought, "Okay, that boy made the right decision to leave." He's on board. Yeah, yeah, he's on board with it. Okay, yeah. he's he's going to make it. <laughs> but, but is stewardship is the stewardship of Jose Mourinho the right place for younger players? Because you know, even in his experience in Chelsea, he did trust the older players. He didn't trust the younger players enough. Has he changed? If you like, a, a little bit. I, I think. I think it's a great question because, funnily enough, the young players have have done quite a lot to to save this season, and, and not just those who are heading into their mid twenties, like. Um, Abraham, like um, Carstorp, um, like Pellegrini. But I, I think it's, it's interesting. The set of young players they've got coming up are, are pretty good. I mean, going back to the end of February, when I, when I went to see um, Roma play Verona, they played the worst first half of football that I've seen pretty much anyone play this season. And I, I've seen Wimbledon 10 times this season. <laughs> and, you know, the, the crowd were on their backs a bit. And then... He brings on Eduardo Bove, who scores his first goal. Christian Volpato, the Australian teenager, Italian-Australian teenager, who scores his first goal. It's the game where Zawewski, the, the the left wing back, comes on and gets a go. And of course, now they've got Spinatola coming back from injury. And what luxury that is being able to bring Spinatola on for the last 20 minutes of a final. But Zawewski has been massively important to them. The pace he has, the directness he's, he's got. Not finished article, but I love that. The fact that in this moment where Roma were like on their asses, and he gives all these young guys a go and they don't let him down. They don't let him down at all. They show their personality they to get in. through that situation. Yeah. And he responds to that as, as, as well. And I, I think, you know, he's kind of out of his comfort zone in a way. I know it feels sometimes like Mourinho's playing the hits, especially after a final like this when, um, you know, they, they just grind their way to the final. But he's in a different context. There's not limitless money. There's not really the prospect of winning the league at the end of it. If they get themselves into the top four, they've done a great job. Now, of course, 
we'll wait to see where Napoli go next season. I, I think they might strip back a bit and that maybe offers a bit of an opportunity to Roma and, and perhaps Maurizio Sarri's Lazio as, as, as well. We'll have to wait and see. But Mourinho is having to find new ways of thinking around things within his old structure, new ways of looking at things, which I think is interesting. Well, just a quick word on um, Mourinho from you, if you don't mind, David. Uh, I mentioned earlier that this is the first uh, European title that Roma have won, first cup that they've won uh, since 2008, the Coppa Italia. And you can see what it meant to uh, the fans, Auschwitz as well, by the way. But with Jose Mourinho, five out of five, five out of five European finals, Mm -hmm. 26 titles to his name, although he hasn't won one since 2017. That was in the Europa League with Manchester United. Uh, for a moment, after that period, the Man United period and the Tottenham period, we thought he'd lost his mojo. Uh, can he call, uh, how do you say the special one in Italian? In speciali or something? Yeah, like that's that? right. Oh, well, I got it right. Perfect. I couldn't get the accent right, but at least I got the language right. The, the right definite article, which is very important <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Can, can he still call himself? Is he still special, at least in Serie A? I mean, he can call himself where he wants. You know, you know. I think, uh, I think you know. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people will think he's not special anymore and think he's had his day. I'd probably be inclined to agree with that. I think he's had his day at the top, top level. I don't think we're going to see him in a Champions League I mean, final again with an elite club. I don't think. He might not even win a major, major uh, league title, and you know, again, maybe he will say if he goes to to Portugal, if he goes to you know to coach back coaching there, um, potentially there's something there. But no, I, I think it's okay where he's at right now. If he is, if this is his new approach to things um, in terms of working with these young players, making them run through walls for him, they'll remember that. I think. Um, as well, uh, you know, no matter where their careers go. And I think that's really important. He's still got a massive place um, in football. I just don't think it's at the very, very, very top. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Still staying in Italy, there was another big story, as you all well know, and that was that Milan have won the Scudetto for the first time in 11 years. And we've got a tweet here from Callum who asked, do you think Milan will be able to defend their title? And they actually look like a force now to be reckoned with again. Uh, you know what, Callum? I've, I'm inclined to go towards yes because... I just, two things. Firstly, I don't really know where the competition's at. You know, Napoli are reaching some sort of crossroads in that they want a, a new project where Koulibaly stays, becomes a captain, signs a new contract. It seems to me like he's pretty 50-50 on that. Other players are, are coming to the end. Insigne's going. Looks like Mertens is is, is going as well. De Laurentiis is one, wondering, can I continue pouring lots of money in and not really getting anything back trophy-wise, even though they're back in the Champions League now. Um, and, and then you wonder where Juventus are. It, it's still a massive building site, really, of a club. And I'm not convinced that Allegri is the man to lead it on the pitch. And I'm not sure that the board completely know what they're doing off the pitch. And there's a lot of expensive deadwood to shift, which is going to be hard. I wonder if this turns into Milan versus Inter for a couple of seasons, which I could definitely live with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been brilliant, the running. It's been so exciting. But the other reason why I would lean towards what Callum's suggesting is we talked about young sides with Roma. It's the same with Milan, even though they do have the experience with Giroud and Ibrahimovic, of, of, of course. It is basically a young side. It's been one of the things that's so impressive about, say, Fikayo Tomori, and not just him, but Rafael Leao, as David was talking about, um, Sandro Tonali, not just the quality of their play, but the quality of their leadership. I think you look six weeks before the end of the season and you think, blimey, this is a tough run in for Milan. Inter of the champions, they've been there before, they've got a better squad, they've got more experience, I think they're going to do it. But Milan, there was only that one little slip from Inter at Bologna, or big slip as it turned out, that gave them the opportunity. Then, once they had the opportunity, they never looked like letting it slip. All the difficult moments they dealt with. And those young players really stood up. And it just makes me think how much they've learned from this season. How much they learned from how the bottom end fell out of last season. How much they learned from some of the tough results they took in the Champions League where their performances were definitely better than than their results. You see a young side that growing before your eyes. I, I, it's, it's a thoroughly deserved title. And I think there's every suggestion that under Pioli they can, they can go on from here. Of course, David, uh, Zlatan will be leaving now. I mean, he can't go on forever. At the age of 40, though... Not confirmed yet. Well... <laughs> it'll be hard to see him staying for another season won't it you saw he's going to require surgery going to be off for about seven to eight months okay and there had been talk previously you know if he did require if he found out that he required surgery then he might say that's it and what a time to require uh, to, you know to go out on the top uh, you know um, I think, well, this is a point I was going to make. That yeah. His career at, uh, at Milan is kind of bookended by yeah. two Scudettos. Yeah. Um, one 11 years ago, and now uh, the one at the age of 40. That's got to be the sweeter one yeah. <laughs> of the two, I'm sure. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, you know, nobody envisions themselves winning trophies, I think, at that stage of their career. So the fact that he's done that is, 
you know, he won't admit it's a surprise to him, obviously, because it's Slatan, but, you know, it, it is in a way. Um, and his influence over this team, I think, was seen in that a video went around um, where he's in the dressing room saying it's, uh, you know, where he flipped the table and such. I thought it was, that so, was great. It was fantastic. That was a... That was a serious, serious uh, speech, and you could. You, so, you, what, what did he say? I missed it. Um, he 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 just basically praised every single player and just said their work and how they had their work and how they've deserved this, and it was very emotional. But it was it, it had such a degree of sincerity to it. It was it, it was fantastic, and um, it means something coming. Yeah, from him oh as well yeah, it re- it really really does. And you could you, you're looking and you're thinking, right, he's in the dressing room, and then just over his shoulder, smiling. He thanked Maldini and Maldini's there as well. And you look and you're like, my word, they've got these characters just in close around the dressing room. And, and then it makes sense when you've watched them. They've been, like Andy said, they, I think they've, they've basically been unflappable. They've Which been... Maldini? Because <laughs> three generations of Maldini now yeah. have played for uh, yeah. AC Milan and won trophies for AC Milan. Yeah. And the latest, we were talking about how young this side is, the latest yeah. is young Daniel yeah. Maldini as well. So which Maldini was Paolo. smiling? Paolo, <laughs> lo- lovely, lovely Paolo. It's, 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 been, it's been lovely seeing him in the stand, <laughs> yeah. flashing that million dollar smile over the last couple of weeks. It's incredible. It? He's got that George Clooney well, ability of never growing older, but just always got the <laughs> looking looks, immaculate. Yeah, yeah, he looks immaculate all the time. So yeah, you've got characters like them around, and you can understand why they've been so unflappable and resilient on the pitch. I think there were moments, and Andy said this a few weeks ago that Serie A has just been wild this year. But Milan, I don't think I've got caught up in that kind of hurricane no, of things. No, they've just remained resilient calm never flustered and they've got and like I said I think they've got these characters around them and on the pitch as well who have uh, helped that well that's right Zlatan was brought back for his influence off the pitch and um, as we were saying with Miguel the other week Dotton like, it's something that's often unacknowledged because of the, the, the like cartoonish side of his public persona that he, he's brilliant with young players yeah, it's, and has been throughout his his, his 30s it's annoying because I think in the fa- last few years the, he'd also he almost become a bit of a caricature with the quotes yeah. and the sayings and the videos and, and, and whatever but this is what was so good about that video on social media after I was like okay now that's the real Zlatan like, that's the one you get in the dressing room that's not a cartoon character mm. that is a true leader um, and I was reading, it said he, he prods and probes the young players and, and tries to get a rise out of them and tries to motivate them. He was saying about Rafa Leal, he was like, he was just so motivated when I got here and I didn't know what to do to get it, but he continued working with him. And now we've seen this player who I'd say has probably been central to Milan's success in Leal and the way that he has decided to impose himself. And you can see that's what Zlatan's got that rise out of him and, and made him do that. It seems to me, though, that um, the fans have waited for this one mm. long enough. And you saw the celebrations at the stadium after when they brought the Scudetto back home, as it were. It was just amazing. It, it was it, it was amazing that they had this party, a party of that magnitude in another team stadium. Yeah, of course. Because, <laughs> uh, of course... <laughs> and that, in the second half before the match is over. Yeah, because, of course, that, that, they, only, they only need a draw to, yeah. to to win the title. 3-0 up at half-time after those two Giroud goals and the one from Kessier is sort mm. of leasing, leaving present. And it was a magnificent atmosphere. And then they have their party on the pitch uh, <laughs> at Sassuolo, at the Mape Stadium, because, of course, Inter are playing at home. 
<laughs> you know, this is the thing with ground out. sharing, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. like it's like when are they going to shove off? Well, it's so the, and it's anyway, the after party. You have to wait for the after party, don't you? Exactly. So the after party's done. So, so they 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 went back and had a great celebration in in Milan, and you know there was there was so many players who've who've stepped up and they've had to make some difficult decisions at, at some point like um letting Donnarumma go because he could get paid more elsewhere letting um Chalinolu go because he'd get paid more elsewhere Frank Kessier would do the same this summer and yet others have stepped up I mean you could go through all the heroes they've had this season like Pierre Kalulu young player who stepped into the defense who people thought was a stopgap then couldn't get dislodged from it. It's been absolutely great. Teo Hernandez has been a great leader. Mm. Mike Magnon, who's been one of the best goalkeepers in Europe incredible. this season. Really incredible. Absolutely yeah. magnificent. And he's got future France number one written all over. He becomes France number one sooner rather than later, I think. Four, 14 million, I think he was as well. Amazing, incredible. right? Ridiculous. Yeah. There's successive titles for him because he, of course, he won with Lille last yeah. season. Of course, uh, the coach is looking for his winner's medal. Got nicked. He's, he's getting a new one. The league oh, said, that, yeah, one. the league okay. said they'll sort him out and get him a brand new one. They so, haven't yeah, found yeah. the thief you can get though. Um, he, the, the thief put uh, recorded on Instagram or TikTok or one of the two, and how he took it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not, I don't think they've actually caught him. Physically. So, so we're, we're not expecting like Zlatan to come through after the operation and uh, be sat there in his hospital bed with two medals around his neck. <laughs> Allegedly. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Marseille, uh, one of those sort of iconic, from my generation, certainly from the 70s and the 80s, iconic European Cup in those days and Champions League subsequently uh, teams who haven't been anywhere near the Champions League of recent times. They've got their chance to come back in next season. And last time they were in it, they made a humongous mess of it under Andre Villas-Boas of course so um, for them to get back into it automatically it was a very dramatic last day of the French season not just because of Mbappe signing his new contract and then unloading on poor Mets who were trying to stay up and that's, that's got kind of missed in all the Mbappe fanfare that um, you know after he signed a deal and shook Nasser Al-Khalifi's hand and wore the t-shirt he went and battered some poor saps and got them relegated you know Mets have like become below a footnote in, in, in this really allowing St Etienne to, to go into the playoff but, but they'll face Auxerre that was only one of many dramas in the last day of this ex- French ex- Ligue 1 exactly and Marseille having been second for so long um, have had a few little um, splutters in, in recent weeks they started the last game of the season in uh, third place. And the difference between second and third is worth underlining in France is a lot of difference. Because I think, you know, we look at it from a English or a Spanish or an Italian or a German perspective where you're top four qualify and that's that. But the thing is in France, you're top two qualify automatically. Third has to go through two rounds of playoffs. So you have to play four games before you can definitely get into the Champions League. Now that affects everything. That affects the way you go. Th- you construct your budget. That you go about your transfer business. You know, do you 
assemble a Champions League team and maybe not get in it. Can you afford to do that in a country where the DNCG, the French Financial Control Board, have a really close eye on this sort of thing and they want to know exactly how you're going to pay for everything throughout the season so that makes it and and it's also a league where arguably one of those Champions League's positions has already gone yeah yeah, as as you say that's absolutely right and um, so Marseille were playing a team in Strasbourg who were going for Europe as well Marseille played pretty well on the night without Dimitri Payet who was injured a couple of weeks ago so they've been doing it without their best player and they beat them 4-0 and thankfully for them Lance scored a last second equaliser against Monaco in their game up north, which meant that Marseille got the opportunity to leapfrog them right at the last, right in the dying embers of the French league season, get themselves into second. Monaco have to go through the qualifiers again, as they did last year. And Monaco have done brilliantly to get in the top three. You know, they'd won nine in a row, heading for number 10, and then they concede this very costly uh, last second equaliser. But, I think what Marseille have done, David, is really interesting because um, Pablo Longoria, who is a very young president, who comes from a sort of agents, uh, sporting directors sort yeah. of background, scouting background, scouting, yeah. sorry, in, um, in in Spain at first and, and, and then with, with Marseille. Uh, he's actually brought stability to what is this most volatile of clubs. Yeah, it's Greek, and, yeah, like, yeah. And, and he's, he's done it by putting all his faith in Jorge Sampaoli. Which is quite wild because he's, again, he's a, if there's ever a manager that maybe suits Marseille, it's Sampaoli, you know, mm. another chaotic, controversial character. I mean, um, it felt like for a good time rather than for a long time. Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. And with Sampaoli, you know, things are liable to blow up in your face at any, at any moment, I think. But I think he's managed to hold it together quite well. Considering it's been a really grueling season, you've got to remember Marseille went all the way in there. Uh, conference league um, you know so they had that to deal with as well I think it was 10 or 11 signings they made in the summer as well I mean you could argue that if, if Pyatt stays fit like they could maybe even go on and win the competition right? yeah yeah exactly exactly and I think that was a big big it, it so, so many better managers than Sam Pauli have, have, have fell off in either one or the competitions and, and can't manage you know you know, juggling both but I think Sam Pauli did a really really good good job of it um, and I think it's shown his progression and his maturing, I think, as a coach this season with Marseille and how he's changed things and, and how he's settled a little bit. Um, and you know he's going to get the chance to bring in a better calibre of player. Now, now that they're in the Champions League, um, they get to, I know Steve was saying, you know, that they'll, it's going to, it hinges a lot basically on how, whether they can get in the Champions League or not. Now they're in it, they'll hopefully be able to get a better calibre of player. They've already lost arguably one of their best players to Aston Villa mm. in Bubakar Kamara. Um, yeah, he's he's difficult to replace. Yeah. Um, and they still don't really know what's going on with uh, William Saliba either. It's looking likely that he'll go back to Arsenal. And there's still the impending transfer ban, possibly. I know there's, you know... Over know. the Papagay yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So they said uh, it's looking likely that they'll, they'll be let off and they'll avoid the transfer ban, but that is still a possibility. So it'll be interesting to see how they replace players who have left and also add to a squad because they, for the most part, I think the signs have been quite impressive from Longoria. Yeah, and interestingly, one of the first things that Longoria did very well is get their grand attaquant, their big number nine that they'd always been looking for. And he persuaded Eric Milik to, to yeah. come across from, from Napoli. 
it's not quite worked out and he has a pretty poor relationship with Sampaoli. Now, part of that's tactical because Sampaoli has thought that Payet as a centre forward is, is, is better for, for, for the big games. And, you know, Payet? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah. Because oh, wow. he, can, he can drop out. He's yeah. more difficult to mm-hmm. mark. You know, maybe you don't need that, that big is number that nine. false nine then? In kind a way. of, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? It's, it's really works for them. And, okay. and, and Payet, when he's off the leash... It's fantastic. Uh, you know, now he's got past that point. There's no even semblance of defensive responsibility, but he's, he's still in good nick. He's still very, very influential for them. It's not a but, particularly rapid league either, so I think the pace of the league actually suits him as well, so he can pl- play this role. Well, the, the level of technique he has as well is, yeah, is, is still extraordinary. Yes. Mm. But I, I think what they do with Milik is is a, a, a tricky one. They've, they've got to figure out what they're going to do from there. Are they going to move on to a, a, another centre forward? But David, what you were saying before, some of those signings took a while to settle. Now, one that he kind of staked his reputation on was Gerson, yeah. who didn't come off in Italy before. He brought him back from Brazil mm-hmm. and said, you're going to be my man. Not good before Christmas, but second half of the season, he's been fantastic. I think a change in position a change of kind of responsibility um, given by Sampaoli. Again, it was a good decision by Sampaoli. So he's like, these decisions can, can go either way for Sampaoli. I've seen it before from him when he's been in Spain. Um, but I think his decision to play Gerson in that kind of, like we said, he's kind of like a left side, left forward like mm. type role. Um, and his influence has, has been clear, I think, especially during the run-in. And he's t- actually, when Payas dropped out when he's been injured Gerson has actually stepped up I think mm. uh, really impressively um, and he's made himself uh, one of the, the key players I think at Marseille but it is, is about finding the right players for Marseille as well like Matteo Genduzzi who's gone from being like an Arsenal write-off to in the French team yeah. this season which yeah, yeah. Like, seemed like if someone had said that to you at the start of the season you'd think that was absolutely absurd I always thought he was decent Arsenal but you're, you're right they rejected him in the end but he, when he played he was actually okay. I, I don't mm. think there, anyone ever doubted his talent, mm. but his discipline, maybe. And I, I think the interesting thing is that Marseille, he's kind of, it's, it's the perfect club for him, really. Considering he's from Paris, yeah. he's not been able to thrive on the chaos. Mm. And it mm. really suits him. He is still in the middle of all the punch-ups, by the way. I've noticed that. Uh, when they've had a little bit of uh, ill discipline on the pitch. Well, he's but, not going to totally change it. Right, exactly. <laughs> not with all that hair, anyway. But there was a lot of drama at the other end of the league as well. Uh, Bordeaux being sent down. Again, a, 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 an iconic club within French football. Been exactly. a long time and, uh, well, haven't won titles maybe lately, but nevertheless, they've got a history behind them haven't they what happened to them they won 4-2 was it at Brest uh, at Brest on the final day on the final day and you'd have thought that would have saved them but no they're already down yeah uh, pretty much because of their goal difference anyway they were were pretty Mm. much done anyway Um, well they were trying to score as many as possible obviously at Brest well you will have to do that when you concede 91 (laughs) goals in a league season this was a problem it's it's, it's quite an effort but I mean really it's just a long story of of neglect Um, the fact that They've been trying to do stuff on the cheap through successive ownerships. I mean, it's difficult enough dealing with one bad ownership. They've really had to suffer two in a row now that they were owned by this um, American investment fund called King Street. Then from there, they went on to Gerard Lopez, who, of course, is known for being the president of Lille before. And Lille constantly challenged under, under his ownership and collated a lot of good players. 
Gerard Lopez was notable for doing a lot of stuff with a lot of other people's money because it came, he came in and it was sold as if he was the, the multi-billionaire who was going to sort it all out. In fact, he was, he had his finger in a lot of different pies. Um, the way he run the club, I mean, we've seen this story with, with uh, Lille this week where the current directors of Lille are going after the old directors mm. for something to do with the, 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 the signing of, of alleged financial impropriety over the, the sale of Victor Ozymen. To, to, to Napoli so there are still question marks over what Lopez did at Lille and what he's done at other European clubs that he's been involved in there's just this sense of repetitive behaviour that he comes in like with his cape on as a as a saviour and then the reality is not really quite like that you know he's done this other thing where he's tried to force players that he doesn't want out of the club and he said you know well we're, we're, we're going to come back you'll see I'm not sure that many people the, believe him. The, the ultras seem to be on his side, though. They seem to have a relationship with him. Well, you, you know what? I think there are, there, there are people in Bordeaux who want to believe because they've been so without hope, investment, attention for so long. And in a certain context, he's quite convincing. If you look at his body of work, though, I mean, he's, he's someone who's very charismatic, but if you look at his body of work... The numbers never quite add up. And remember, you know, they, they kind of got inherited Lille in the same way that Milan did, actually, in the sense that the owner can't keep up everything he owes, so it ends up defaulting to those who the, the, the debt is, is is owed to. But, you know... You can see it happening with Bordeaux as well. So apparently they need to find 20 million by mid-June. Otherwise, the DNCG are going to come after them as well. That could That could mean things getting even worse so division they, below so they definitely won't yeah. come back then so he's saying oh we'll come back we're coming back look they might end up going to division below or below that even and there's also issues at his other club he owned Muscaran Mus- Mus- they've got impending bankruptcy players are being complaining that they haven't been getting paid they haven't been paid for months so this could be this could really really get a lot lot worse and you know but to suffer one thrashing in a season is bad enough. And I'm sure you remember the 6-1 that Leon, uh, well, the six goals Leon passed them. Of course I remember. It's one of a handful, then, a handful of decent results that they had this you, season. I didn't want to give you a chance to talk about that. But then he suffered 5-0 defeat against Reem, 6-0 against Rennes. Um, was it the defence? Was it the goalkeeper? Why? Why so many goals? Ninety odd. You well, mentioned. I mean, that, they, they they had a few issues. The, the squad's basically not good enough. I mean, that that's that's a for that, the league a for the huge league. problem. No, no, I don't. I don't think it is. Mm. Um, they um, spent a lot on getting Vladimir Petkovic in from international football. Of course, been a good coach with Lazio before, but managing a substandard squad. Um, and they've again had to pay to get rid of him. Then they brought in David Guillon, who did a great job with Rams before. And I think he couldn't do anything with it either. I think but, but the fact that two, they've had two good coaches this season and both of them have fallen flat on their faces tells you that it's the club, that it's the players. Yeah. Then you talk about the goalkeeper, Benoit Costil. Um, he, uh, had this row with the ultras. There was a complaint of racism made against him. Chucked out of the team. Didn't look as if he'd ever play for the club again. The reserve goalkeeper was so bad they had to bring him back. I, I, I mean, it's just a 
catalogue of accidents. Kachelny as well obviously went and Atavio yeah. they both were just thrown out in January was it? I think. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah that, that's yeah, a yeah. pay only to yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what happened there? Why, why did they get rid of Kachelny in that way? Um, well, basically again they they felt that um, there were lots of complaints made about his attitude. Um, He's that, a leader that, though. They needed a leader. Yeah, there, there were there, there were um, implications made about his his lifestyle of, of the field and um it was it was all basically to to get rid of him because he was getting paid too much money. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the you know I I understand like that football finances are, are difficult, but there's also a way of treating people, and I, I think Gerard Lopez has, has failed on both of those counts. Well, we've got lots of other questions from our listeners as well, but just a reminder. If you're listening, that you can tweet us or get in touch on social media at any time during the week at Football Ramble, at Dotton Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, and at David Jacker. This uh, a tweet from uh, JD who says, and he's not the only one, a few people have asked about Kaiserslautern. Uh, when I was growing up, Kaiserslautern was a mainstay in European football, just thought that they got promoted to the German second tier this week. What happened to them, first of all, and how have they managed such a good season? Well, in terms of where they went, of course, we remember them getting winning the league twice in the 90s, including as a newly promoted club. It's extraordinary, really. Um, and they're an enormous club. You, you look at the Fritz Walter Stadion, it's, it's, it's magnificent, won the World Cup stadiums in 2006. But that's really at the root of the problem. Um, they borrowed a lot for the work on that, um, got into financial trouble, couldn't pay it back. They were stuck in this massive stadium that, that, that they couldn't always fill. And obviously it had a huge effect on the on the playing budget as well. So they, they sort of fell not just out of the Bundesliga, but um, in, into, into the third. So that was a huge problem. Um, they've still been restructuring debt, managing um, their, their very tricky finances over the last couple of years. It's a similar situation, I suppose, to... 1860 Munich and, and what they've faced in, in, in recent years. But um, as you said, um, winning the, the, the playoff against another traditional giant, uh, Dynamo Dresden, this week. They won, they won the away leg 2-0, despite what can only be described as a cavalcade of flares and fireworks yeah, the, being thrown the, the, on the The atmosphere of both legs was just astounding. And, you know, I know people are always going about the fan culture in Germany and how big it is even down, further down the levels, but it was quite astounding between the two of them. And, and towards the end of the game, Kaiserslautern were leading a, a, a counter-attack and, you know, the, the Kaiserslautern player was having to avoid flares. Yeah, like, like, like yeah. Dresden pretty much set fire to the stadium. Yeah, it was it was it was, it was extraordinary. <laughs> but anyway, Kaiserslautern now back another huge club um, coming back up to the the second tier in Germany after, of course, uh, the league's lost Schalke and um, Werder Bremen, who got promoted to the top flight again this year. Yeah, this uh, on Insta from. Go away, Tim. Go away, Tim. I get it. I get it. I do get it. <laughs> Nevertheless, it's difficult to say. Um, what have been? This is for both of you. What have you been? What have been your favourite European football moments this season? Um, quite easy for me. Uh, Real Betis winning the Copa del Rey. Um, I think it was their first trophy since two thousand and five. And the fact that Joaquin, um, you know, claimed his second Copa, and he was in the team when they last won, seventeen years apart. I think it was. Amazing, and seeing the, the reaction to that as well. I always said, one of these days, 
bet it's going to win a trophy and that City's going to go mental and I think they partied and partied and they're probably still partying now <laughs> and there was some nice moments I think from they've got to stop partying at some point they'll never win anything again <laughs> there was there was a lot of nice moments around that I think that fan base really deserved a trophy mm. and then as well as Joaquin's story as well I think it was great for Hector Bellerin going back to a club his dad I love him I love the him. fact that his dad supports Betis that mm. he always promised his dad one day that you know he'd He'd sometime turn out for Betis that he did. And at the season that he's gone back there, they've won their trophy. And there was that moment on after the game when, you know, Bellerin was sat on the pitch alone, just looking around at the stadium, tears in his eyes. And then his dad comes out mm. and then to a, a hugging in the centre circle mm. was genuinely, genuinely beautiful. You're going to make me cry now. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Hector Bellerin, you know, my nephew's a professional footballer, played against him and he said, look, he's the only footballer who's had me in his pocket the entire game. And I thought... Or yeah. under his mullet anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't still got that, has he? Oh, it, yeah, it's even stronger now. And he's got a little oh tash as well. Oh, yeah, well, he, yeah the yeah, tash came yeah, whilst yeah. he was still over here. How is it you end up like moving to Seville and looking like you're from more yeah. like you're from Shoreditch than it's, you did when you lived yeah, in London. It's remarkable, remarkable. Cro- cr- crossed with a, an Italian '90s player. And we'll be looking back at some of the other great moments of this season on next week's OTC, which will be our last for the season. I don't have to ask you for a game of the week because there is only one game, and it is the Champions League final this weekend: Liverpool versus Real Madrid, or the other way around, if you like. I'm not going to ask you for predictions, but I'm going to ask you for a food pairing, if you will. Uh, what What should we eat whilst we watch it? Well, I think as it's in Paris, I'm going to go for a, a nice uh, scraps gra- pie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a nice gratin dauphinoise. And um, maybe roast a bit of lamb with it. Because it's it's getting to the point of the year where you can't really roast stuff. So yeah, yeah. let's get it done now. <laughs> occasion not? food for a big occasion. <laughs> I'm still going for the scouse of pie. What about you, David? Um, funnily enough, I had a, a bake-off at ESPN this week. Just Ooh, the oh, off, really? Office competition. Yeah. Um, Who won? Oh, well, we haven't found out the winner yet. We're, 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 we're still awaiting. <laughs> Will you be disappointed if you don't win? <laughs> I'll be fuming. <laughs> I'll, honestly, I'll be devastated if I don't win. Seriously, Andy, you take them seriously. You know, um, so yeah, um, I made two different types of sausage rolls. So I'm going to recommend the one with the Spanish twist, which was the pork and chorizo sausage rolls. Of course it is. Nicely bound together by breadcrumbs and harissa. Mm. So T- tell, us, tell us there's still some left. Um, there's none left. They, they went down really well. That's why I should win. There was none left. <laughs> But there's no evidence. That's the no, issue, isn't it? I know. I didn't even take a picture either. I'm still going so. with his choice for the Champions League final. I think that's fair. Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs>